Good Sunday morning, everyone. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Sunday, the 14th of November. And uh, the day after what will probably go down as one of the worst severe weather outbreaks uh, seen uh, in areas uh, across uh, parts of the Northeast. And we're going to talk about that and then go forward and see where this all is, all is taking us. The Joe and Joe Weather Show is brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon. And we should be thinking about winter and loading up on rock salt. They got plenty of it, and they have the lowest prices anywhere in the tri-state area and beyond on not just rock salt, but all the great snow melt products out there, snow and ice melt products like Pelido and Mag Ice Pellets and Flakes. And anything else you need, including snowblowers, all at Omni True Value Hardware, 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, 631-756-1125. The website is omnitruevalue.com. Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs as we, every day, gets us one day closer to uh, Christmas. What is it now? 35, 36 days until uh Wait, wait, hold on. 14, 16, 16 plus 25 is 41 days until Christmas. Uh, and that includes uh, anything to make your front lawn and house outstanding uh, with uh, Santa, snowmen, elves, lights, garland, wreaths, and everything else. They're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, 631-957-5106. Is liholidaylighting.com. So, Mr. Rayo, I don't think there's going to be any argument in saying uh, what I uh, said or just, just said a, a moments ago uh, about <clears throat> what happened yesterday. Uh, that this has got to go down. I mean, they, we've had actually in the last ten or so years, we've had a number of these uh, November severe weather outbreaks. But this one, I think, takes the cake in a lot of ways. And the tornadic activity was just crazy. You know something, Joe? I, I saw this, the handwriting on the wall, early yesterday morning when I was looking at all of the uh, guidance. I mean, I saw, for example, on the Nam Foos, and boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear a black armband for, <laughs> for about a month after they take uh, guidance model away from us next year. Looking at the Nam Fush yesterday, they went from a lifted index of eight, like at two a.m. to like nine, minus four. Oh my god! And then bounced right back up, and then bounced right back up again to like a like a plus eleven six hours later. And my eyes like opened up. And then when I looked at SPC, and they had this small but very compact area of marginal, and then a wider area within of slight right. that was bullseyed right over the tri-state area. I said, holy mackerel. And then, and then they had the parameters, 2% chance of, of tornadic activity, but something like a 15 or 20% chance of uh, severe winds, 15% chance of hail. I said, this is going to do, this is going to be a problem. When you saw that short wave, that very dynamic short wave swing like a pendulum, right across the tri-state area by early afternoon. And I posted on my Facebook pages, any of you who are reading this now, two to four o'clock today, you know, keep your eye on the sky because we're, we're, we're a cruising for a bruising, so to speak. Yeah. I knew it was going to happen. I know you knew what was going to happen. I just wish that the 
mainstream media played this up a little bit more because uh, last evening when I was watching some of the newscasts and they said, "What? No one told us about this. <laughs> no, it came out of nowhere. Yeah. What happened?" Or what I'm like that. Look, I, I, I got to be. I, I got. I'm going to be honest here. Yesterday morning when I saw the slight risk and I looked at everything, and the first thought that came to my mind was, because I don't remember seeing that on the day before. I don't remember seeing a marginal risk on Friday being indicated for Saturday. So, you know, if they had, then you could say, okay, they jumped it up to a slight risk. Uh, I had a I was talking with Timothy Veltman yesterday morning, and, you know, we were both seemed to be on the idea that, I don't know, this kind of looked, does this look a little overstated? Uh, with regards to what was happening, uh, it, it, it's 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 not often we get you know we had we had some severe weather around on Friday with the cold front. Okay, you kind of thought expected that considering what was going on, and yes, we um, we, we uh, mentioned you know in the middle part of next week last week when we were talking about the second trough coming through that it did look like a bit of a powerhouse. But I have to tell you, I mean, I. I I didn't think it was going to turn out the way it did. I mean, that was just, it was nuts yesterday afternoon. Uh, yeah. The, the uh, weather service fight right now, by the way, is out checking the damage profiles across uh, what happened on Long Island. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at the pictures. You, I've got to believe it's got to be a tornado because you know, trees were sort of you know, falling down. They were basically snapped in half. I mean, the kind of damage doesn't look like it was the kind you get with um, straight line winds. Uh, Microburst. Yeah, um, it, it really, it was it was astonishing. Uh, and in, in many respects, you know, I thought it was kind of stunning. Look at the <clears throat> Tornado HQ actually has a bit of a tornado archive. And they don't, they got the, the coloring is in gray, uh, but uh, they're showing here uh, the, uh, the, the tornado warnings that were there were five uh, individual tornado warnings that were put out uh, over Long Island, and uh, then of course uh, the uh, severe weather shifted uh, into southeastern New England. There were also uh, a, a, what was it one two three tornado warnings up surrounding all of Providence on all sides, by the way, and also uh, tornado warnings uh, down in. Uh, in, in the southeastern mass on the road to Cape Cod. I mean, this is this was really, and, and this was just really crazy. It it it, it was. I, I don't know how. I, I don't know what else to. I don't. I, I don't know what other hyperbole I can add to this. Well, you know what it, it reminded me of when I was looking at it early yesterday morning. It reminded me of a lot of the, uh, a lot of those uh, cases that we see in April, um, when we have those very cold pools of uh, air passing overhead and uh, they tend to generate uh, localized severe weather uh, and uh, that and I stepped outside yesterday morning too before this all happened and I said boy you know it really feels it feels balmy out there it, yeah uh, it's it, it, it almost felt like yeah if you're gonna have a, a nasty setup this afternoon that this is the kind of setup that uh, and I don't you know I didn't check to see you know, if there was any kind of, uh, you know, uh, convective, uh, you know, values cape, as we call them, uh, in advance. But it, but just by looking at the the 500 and seeing just the this concentrated dome of very chilly, if not downright cold air, that was aiming right toward us. And I can remember, as I said, I remember many in April 
where we've had uh, these, uh, well, these pea-sized hailers. And, and Joe, I've been up here in Putnam Valley for almost 20 years, and this was the, and I've only seen one other case like this in terms of hail. In fact, my deck almost turned completely white. If it, if it, if it had gone another five minutes, I would have had to get the snow shovel out to shovel off the, this layer of hail. Yes, that Mostly was that was another people. that was another thing that happened with all of this. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it was pea size. Although somebody sent to me a picture, the hail was in their hand, and it was certainly not pea size. It looked more like quarter size type hail. So in parts of where I was, where I live, my neighborhood, it ranged anywhere from pea size to maybe uh, dime, nickel, and even quarter sized hail. Uh, and, and it was the most prolific fall of hail that I have seen in the almost 20 years that I've been up here. And th that combined with what really was scary to me, I'm surrounded on three sides of my house. I am surrounded by trees that range anywhere from 40 to maybe as high as 70 feet high. And these trees, Joe, were going like this, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm saying to myself, this is it. This is yes. it. Between the, the darkening of the sky. It's a twister. <laughs> I mean, it was. It reminded me of that scene in in the Ten Commandments where the skies grow dark, the hail is coming down, the wind is blowing, and I'm saying to myself, "This is it. This is it." And then, <laughs> it's a, all and, over. And, a, and a voice of of uh, Edward G. Roberts in the background going, "Where's your Messiah now? Where's your Messiah now?" <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, a couple of things. Uh, Joseph, uh, Joe Maiano sent me uh, a, you know, a, a link to a tweet. So I just want to show it uh, with regards to, this is from Matthew Capucci, by the way. I want to give credit where credit is due. And he's got a radar shot here of a radar loop of what looked like on Long Island uh, as uh, these tornadoes. He says this was an event uh, we'll remember for quite some time, indicators suggest two independent spins slash lobes of lofted debris may have combined. One died and ingested into the other near the radar site. And if you, you, you kind of sort of see what happens here on the loop um, as, as it goes forward, you see the two uh, tornado warnings and then uh, suddenly, uh, you know, the burst of what looks like the tornado. And then they get this close up shot here. That, I'm kind of having a little bit of a tough time comprehending what the look actually says, so I'm, you know, quoting straight um, a word for word from what he said. And thanks, Joe, for sending it uh, along. Also, uh, James Harrison hit who, James Harris who hit super chat yesterday. Uh, let's uh, let me take let's go to his. He sent me a video, so I'm going to try and bring it up here. Uh, with regards to what he experienced, because James James is a great guy uh, and also a, a bit of a risk taker here because he loves to get on the road and drive through this stuff. And uh, he did that yesterday. We'll get the video load here and uh, you'll, you'll start to see. I don't know if you can hear the Nat sound well or not, um, <clears throat> but uh, this is on, I believe it was of 87. And ultimately, uh, the hail gets to a point where you know, he's got to basically he's got to pull off of the off the uh, off the side of the road. Uh, but you see how it gets progressively worse and worse. That's hail banging on the car. But by, by the way, it's not raindrops. And right. I mean, it's just um, 
And by and also in terms of the time of day, it was early afternoon, so it's it's fairly dark here. For um, well, you see the guy. You see the guy in front of him pulling off. Yes. Yeah, that's it's uh, that's scary. That, oh yeah, that, well, I, it did. It was scary. I saw shots from uh, of uh, eighty seven up near. I think I sent it to you. The uh, up near Tuxedo. Uh, the ground looked like it, it, it. They just put down an inch of snow. I mean, it, it was completely right. white uh, on the right. roadway. I believe it. There he is. He finally had to uh, had to pull off here. Uh, so we'll just have to, now. We're just kind of waiting for the weather service to uh, uh, let us know they're in the uh, looking at the uh, tornado uh, in uh, Mastic Shirley on Long Island, also in uh, southwestern Connecticut, and I think the weather service is also looking at what's going on uh, over what, what went on in in and around the uh, in and around Providence. Uh, just crazy. By the way, super chat uh, hitters, uh, James Harris. Thank you so much uh, for. Hitting the tip jar, and you know, I was thinking about Shraggy Stern. We has disappeared since the winter months, and Shraggy is now back. Uh, and he starts off with the banging the tip jar. So, Shraggy, uh, you must have—I've been ESPing you for the last week or so, wondering when you were going to come back. So, it's good to see you uh, back on the uh, on the chat board. Now, all we have to do is find <clears throat> the two other MIAs, Joe. Uh, Mr. Ruben Fairchild, who has been gone uh, for the last couple of months, and of course, of course, Samata Mott. Samata Mott. Oh, I think I have. I think I have him. I think I have uh, Samata Mott blocked on the on the channel. So I'm not sure if you know what was the. I can't remember why I I, I might have done that, uh, but if, if you know the Bugs the Bugs Bunny the Bugs Bunny song, who was a tribute to to him. Atsamada, Atsamada, hey, Atsamada for you. <laughs> yeah. Paul Roman uh, asks a very good question uh, because uh, this also, you know, occurred to me uh, with regards to uh, what what happened yesterday in terms of the, the overall uh, impact on the longer term pattern. And <clears throat> I seem to recall also uh, in the instances where. We've had severe weather outbreaks in the month of November in the last 10 or so years that it has uh, often uh, kicked off uh, what, uh, in most of those cases, it, it, it kicked off a, uh, um, a trend colder and, uh, you know, perhaps the whole, you know, continuing to focus on the idea of, well, maybe uh, this winter is going to be a front end loaded uh, winter that uh, December will turn out to be a, a rather interesting type of month. By the way, we should we should remember too. You know, we had a nice uh, we had a nice mid month December snowstorm last year uh, in many locations. Right. So so the fact that if we wind up with a you know I don't know if that you would fall that and I don't know what the definition is of a front loaded winter because uh, it's hard to break down. Uh, you know, events when you have a, a volatile pattern where you, you're kind of shifting back and forth. But we did have an early start to a wintry-like pattern. And from what I'm seeing on the long range, it's been very, very confusing to me with uh, with regards to uh, the models and how they've been behaving in terms of the long in terms of the longer term over the last week or two. I mean, even in instances, you know, we sort of expect to go from run to run and you see different things on different runs. First, something is there, then it's not there, then it's sort of there. 
then it you know disappears, it comes back. You know, you sort of expect that. But through all of that, you try to find, you know, you try to find some degree of continuity in terms of uh, the overall picture that's being painted. And I'm having a real difficult time for the last 10 days or so trying to find that continuity thread uh, in, in terms of where, where we're going in, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the GFS is in one place. The European the Europeans been very bullish about the end of November and the first uh, the, the month of December, uh, showing um, deep trough in the east, strong ridge in the west. You know, the GFS not quite in the same. You know, on some runs it is, on some runs it's the exact opposite. So I, I, I'm not. <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm just like I'm just having a difficult time trying to trying to put all of this into some sort of uh, uh, of of, uh, of logic. Well, you know, you get back to the discussion a few moments ago of uh, how sometimes in November convection can lead to uh, the start or kicking off of cold weather and wintry uh, conditions. We need only go back to, and it's, it's, it's amazing, but what blows my mind is that what I'm about to refer to is over 30 years ago, but it seems like it was just only a few years ago, but the winter of 80, uh, 89-90, when we had that bitter cold December, uh, and it was led into by uh, a tremendous convective event that occurred in mid-November, which sadly led to uh, the uh, fatalities of, a, of uh, several uh, schoolchildren upstate New York when a microburst occurred. Uh, it was on a Friday afternoon and uh, tremendous winds. And anyway, they, this system came on through, followed in by a, sh a big push of colder air, which the following week led to a Thanksgiving snowstorm, for goodness sake. Right. We had like, what, four, five, six inches of snow, and then that that went away. Then we settled into a pattern of about four or five weeks of bitterly cold. I think one of the coldest months that I could ever remember of any stretch, including January and February. And then that was with us through the end of December of 89, and then all of a sudden, it just went away. And the rest of the winter was garbage, if you were a winter weather lover. Yep. So. You know, Joe, this may very well lead into front-loaded conditions in terms of snow and or cold, but the question is, how long can we maintain that? Because it may be in, let's say, into December, and then, as we saw in 89-90, it may just go away, and uh, the rest of the winter may not uh, may not be much of anything. We'll see. All right. Well, I got a couple of other things that uh, were uh, just sent to me, and uh, one is uh, Mitch. On Twitter, on Twitter, I'm sorry, <laughs> Mitch on Twitter, Twitter? on Twitter, uh, on Twitter, who um, goes by at Vermonster WX. Uh, so uh, giving you credit, Mitch. Uh, so you had your Jim Cantori moment, he says yesterday uh, with um, Thundersnow. And I got the I think I got the Nat sound up here. So let's let me start it from the beginning. And there we go. Uh, lightning. See that? Whoa. Yeah, got it. <laughs> That's nice thunder. I don't know. I can hear it on my headset, Show. I don't know if you can hear it there. That thunder. No, I can't. Um, All right, so trust me. But I see the... I see the flash. I see the flash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to uh, Mitch, uh, he's at VermonsterWeather.com. 
and uh, you can and, and you can share in his um, his moment. Also, okay. Timothy Veltman just sent yeah, me this. I got it. All right, let me let me turn that off because I'm I'm here. <laughs> All right, so let's go let's go. Tim, Timothy Veltman says now uh, the um, now on Saturday there was a there, on Friday there was a tornado uh, there was a tornado warning in and around the Binghamton area. I'm assuming, Timothy, you're referring to that tornado warning. He said, I hate to point out, but this was declared a microburst by NWS Binghamton. I think we must keep in mind the amount of loose leaves floating around that we don't see in the summer. I wonder if some of these updrafts lofted leaves high up in the air off the trees, and the radar saw that as debris aloft. I certainly think that's possible. I mean, there's, there's leaves down everywhere. Yeah, as you're talking, Joe, I went to uh, Mitch at VermonsterWeather.com. Yeah, and I and I through my headphones here, I most definitely can hear uh, not only the thunder, but but Mitch himself saying, "Yeah, got it." <laughs> so, yeah, that is that is certainly a Jim Cantori moment. Congratulations, Mitch, on 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 capturing that. Okay, so. Um... We'll wait to see what the Weather Service does with all this, uh, with regards to uh, what the outcome on on the uh, on the tornado possible tornadoes on Long Island and also in southeastern New England. Paul Roman banging on uh, super chat. Uh, thank you, Paul. Um, most appreciated there. And so let's look forward. We have another upper trough coming through tonight, uh, but this one will not have the melodramatics that uh, the one we had yes, uh, yesterday. Thank God. <laughs> By the way, I, kudos to the to, kudos to SPC because uh, they uh, they really you know highlighted this very strongly yes, yesterday morning, uh, and uh, you know it's 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 a gutsy forecast well, you, come out in the middle of November November with a severe weather outbreak the way and, and then it, then it turned out the way way it did. Well, you're absolutely right that there was on Friday nothing remotely resembling what we ultimately saw yesterday. But again, remember that these forecasts, these convective forecasts, these convective outlooks are put out not by a machine. They're put out by real people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't I don't know who was on duty on Friday and uh, failed to uh, mention or allude to what we saw yesterday. But whoever was on yesterday morning. Uh, really did a bang-up job in forecasting. And I looked at this, and I remember the day before not seeing this, and I said to myself, "Why in the world are they saying this? What, what, what are they?" And that's that's when I immediately went to the Foos, the Nam Foos, saw that tremendous drop in the lifted index, which is often used as a uh, as as uh, one factor in uh, trying to determine whether or not there'll be convective activity. And then I took a look at the uh, the five hundred on the GFS and the, and the NAM, and I saw, again, that sharp trough coming around and through like a pendulum by early afternoon yesterday, and I looked at some of the temperatures at 500, which were wrapped up and like a, like a little bundle of cold, uh, and, I and I said, uh-oh, uh-oh, and, I, I, and again, thinking back, not to November, as you mentioned, Joe, but to many April events uh, where we have, we have seen this happen. With and I, and one of the first things that popped in my mind was pea-sized hailers. As, right. Uh, I think I think Tom Grant or maybe it was Tom Morgan in <laughs> in in some of the discussions back in the day. They didn't say hail; they said pea-sized hailers. And I'm saying to myself, 
this could be a pea-sized hailer event. And boy, did we have we we had a hailer event yesterday. That so my, kudos my, to whoever was on on uh, yesterday at, at at SVC who did made that forecast. By the way, uh, uh, we should note too that all through this the all through the summer and in in in, in the fall, and this includes uh, the remnants of of uh, of Ida, were all. Uh, got all got extra added juice by these sharp upper troughs that that these powerhouse upper troughs in the northern jet that came down and just you know gave it that extra punch. Uh, so this is not the first time we've seen this in the last four or five months. We've, we the, I, I often go to the idea that when you get into a weather pattern in any any given period of time, yeah things don't don't repeat but they rhyme. And there's been a lot of rhyming going on from July um, right through uh, right through now. Leon Probitsky also uh, banging the uh, the super chat jar. Uh, thank you, Leon. Most appreciated. Chuck Cardillo, I, Joe. I don't know the answer to this question. He says, "Do you remember what the state of the um, uh, the Enzo uh, was in '89 in the winter of '89 90 when it was so cold in December?" And if I remember correctly, that was probably, you know, that was one of the coldest Decembers uh, on record. I think it's in the top five. Um, and then it went, we had, you know, plus nine anomalies in January, plus nine anomalies. I think with the warmest January and the warmest February on record followed that cold December. I don't remember what the, you know, the El, the state of the El Nino was that particular year. But I got to think that it, it it was enough to wrap the polar vortex up in the stratosphere into a tight little ball uh, with regards to that. I'm on a, I'm on a site right now. It's gweather.com slash enso slash O-N-I dot H-T-M, and it gives El Nino and La Nino years and intensities. And I'm looking here to see if uh, 8990 fell into any of these categories. And from what I see, Joe, there was no sign of any kind of weak, moderate, strong, or very strong El Nino, and there was no sign in 8990 of any weak, moderate, or strong La Nina. Uh, so this may be, this may have been a year, 8990 may have been a La Nada year. In other words, mm -hmm. nothing standing out in terms of La Nina or uh, in terms of El Nino. It was, it was a year where there was no significant uh, Enzo uh, occurrence taking place. So, you know, not interestingly, 8889, the year before, uh, the winter before, uh, La Nina was indicated that we had a strong La Nina in 8889. But then we didn't, we had to wait until 9899 for the next strong La Nina. Usually after a strong La Nina, you get a, the following year, you get a significant uh, El Nino. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I don't see anything uh, for 88, uh, for 8990. So again, that may have been a La Nada year, uh, a year where there was no major or significant uh, activity from either an El Nino or um, uh, a La Nina. All right. Um, all right, so let's move along to today. Uh, we've got uh, on the uh, satellite loop, uh, seeing uh, clouds uh, starting to roll in from the west. Uh, yet another upper trough that stands out, but uh, this is not, again, like the powerhouse of yesterday. And you sort of you see it here in terms of, of um, where the base of that upper trough is, how it's swinging eastward. And of course, you're also looking at a cold front that's going to be coming through with it. 
and there is also some precip. So the clouds will be increasing. By the way, that was another thing about yesterday, too. There were some healthy temperature drops after uh, after the front went by. Uh, the, um, the, the, the flow of the clouds, uh, certainly you could see where the, the ridge is, uh, ridging in the western part of the United States, a general troughing here uh, in the eastern part of the United States. I actually have the uh, radar left over from yesterday at just before the tornado warnings went up across Long Island. So you could see the uh, half a dozen or so severe thunderstorm and special marine warnings that were going on. Also, um, uh, the, the cluster that was just south of Albany, that actually was wet snow that was being picked up by the radar in the elevated areas. But eventually that too wound up evolving uh, into a thunderstorm. When I first looked at it, I thought, oh, it looks like there's a cluster of thunderstorms up, uh, up in Albany. Tim Veltman messages me saying, well, that might not be the case, um, that it's the wet snow that might be going on in some of the elevated areas there. And then shortly afterward, he sent me another message saying, well, guess what? I just had lightning and thunder here. So it looks like uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it, uh, it's, um, it's turning uh, into a, um, a, a, a thund thunderstorm. So that was then. Uh, so let's look at uh, today as we uh, check out the radar. And there is a little bit of precip aloft going up here at midday uh, and out to the west. You see this um, a lot, you know, looks like a, an arm that's uh, moving across Ohio and down into Kentucky and pushing uh, eastward. And also the top of that arm uh, into an upper low or what's left of an upper low in Northern Michigan. Uh, we have also uh, some precip uh, moving through Montana and parts of the Dakotas and the never ending rain that is the case up in the Pacific Northwest. And the uh, Storm Prediction Center, why don't we just take a look, Joe, just in case, <laughs> you know, just in case, uh, not expecting them to, to do anything with this, but uh, no thunderstorms are forecast uh, today, tomorrow, or Tuesday. All right. So hopefully there won't be any last minute additions uh, anywhere uh, after what uh, what occurred yesterday. WPC, the uh, yes. the folks at WPC in terms of uh, precip going forward for the next uh, seven days. So this takes us through next Sunday. Not a whole lot of precip going on up and down in the east. Uh, by the way, I was 23 this morning here uh, with a, a frost on everything and definitely a hard freeze, uh, 23. Uh, no precip from uh, southwestern Virginia southward into northern Florida, uh, Georgia to Alabama, and along much of the Gulf Coast. So some nice weather setting up there. Uh, you see uh, half to three-quarter of an inch amounts through uh, north-central New York, and then back over to southwestern New York, down into northwestern PA, Ohio, and continuing south and west into Indiana, and over into western Kentucky continuing to get pounded up in the Pacific Northwest, but the Southwest is quiet, the Central Plains quiet, minimal precip down uh, in the Southern Plains, and a little bit of, uh, of uh, rain there in Southeastern Florida on the order of a couple of inches over the next week or so. So uh, on that note, let's look at what the tele uh, Mr. Teleconnections uh, have to tell us, and we'll start with the NAO, which, once again, we see this split, Joe, in the longer term. Half the members are negative. Half the members are positive, roughly. 
And uh, actually, some of the members are strongly negative, and a couple of the members are about one standard deviation positive. So uh, this this probably explains why we're seeing uh, model volatility the way it is, where we go from run to run seeing a dynamic uh, upper airs uh, to uh, the, the exact opposite uh, over the next couple of weeks. And the PNA, <clears throat> the Pacific North America Index, we'll give it a refresh. So we have today's numbers. And again, here too, you've got <clears throat> half the members positive at the toward as we uh, move through the next two going positive over the next two weeks, and half the members staying either neutral or going negative uh, at the end of the forecast period. So the, the so the teleconnections, are, are, at least based on the GFS ensembles are really giving us no clue here as to where this is all going to go. You're going to have to coin, t toss a coin, Joe. Just, that's, I don't know. that's it, the best you can do right now. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, uh, by the way, Izzy D hitting uh, Super Chat uh, also. Thank you, Izzy. Most appreciated as always. Uh, all right, so here's here's what I mean in terms of uh, the uh, the differences so I noticed this last night. Uh, let me um, let me bring this up. I'm going to bring up the 500. Um, okay, so I got to go forward a little bit here. So obviously, while we have this up, we can sort of break down what happened yesterday. You see that you know that V-shaped trough. Remember, we talked about how the cold front for Friday was coming out well ahead of the upper air support, and you get this you know V-shaped. You cannot, Joe, you can't get a sharper V than what you see here, what you saw here Saturday morning. I mean, that's just crazy. Right. And, and the whole thing just went negative. Right. Now, here comes the next. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The next trough, obviously not the V-shaped animal that we saw yesterday. So that's going to lift out. So after Tuesday, we should warm up quickly Wednesday and Thursday. Here comes another upper low swinging across Lake Winnipeg. Moving into the east, this is going to push another cold front through at the end of the week. Then that lifts out. And here comes a deeper trough uh, for early next week. So the beginning of Thanksgiving week, if this this is off the 6Z GFS, by the way, uh, it would be cold. I mean, not crazy cold, but certainly, you know, below average temperatures or the trend of below average temperatures will con would continue. Uh, but I want to just kind of compare this. Go back a couple of runs. So let's go to the zero Z run. And this is for next Tuesday. Okay. Now on the right. on the zero Z run, uh, you do have a trough in the east, but the model's picking up on all these short waves running around. One that's swinging through upstate New York, another one dropping down to the plains, another one that's down uh, in the uh, in the northeastern Gulf. Uh, go to the run before that. There was one run lay. I don't know which one it was. Maybe it was this one. Let's see. Look at this one. This was from, I think, 18Z yesterday. I mean, it brings down an upper low from Great Slave Lake uh, to the lakes, and then it, it gets so deep, I can't even read how low the heights uh, got with this. I think the heights got below 500 uh, in, uh, in northern New England. Uh, so this would be for next Tuesday into Wednesday. So if this were the case, remember the thicknesses, they were showing 504 thicknesses here. I mean, this would be for this time of year, 
a very, very cold shot of air. But you see how you go from run to run, there's no continuity uh, in terms of these systems and in terms of how the models are handling it. And, and I think that's what the teleconnections are telling you, telling you. There's too much going on and, and, and we don't, there's too much going on all over the Northern hemisphere and we just have no, um, no uh, firm grasp as to where all of this is headed. You know, and I once asked somebody, I was, it was at an, at an uh, NWA weather conference. Uh, it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, the, the gentleman, I forgot which meteorologist it was, but he was talking about, you know, how things are, uh, uh, are collected and uh, posted on their site or whatever. And I, I raised my hand. I said, I have a question. I said, have you ever noticed that there's a distinct difference uh, in accuracy between the 0Z primary run and the 12Z primary run? And he looked at me kind of strange, like, like no one had ever asked him that question before. And I, I said, my reasoning is, is that I've always felt that there was a little bit more, or the, the, the 12Z runs were a little bit more accurate than the 0Zs because the 0Zs are based upon guidance uh, based upon data that has been sent up into the atmosphere by radio sons across the continental United States, for example. And it comes at the end of the day, and especially in the summertime, there are a lot of showers and thunderstorms and convective activity. And all of that is goes into the, the, uh, the overall mix. And so what happens is that the zero Z runs comes out and they, 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 they stir up and they bring up uh, storms based in part upon the input of those, you know, areas of convection. Whereas at 12Z, a lot of things, everything is more quiet, All if right. you will. It's the dead of the morning or whatever, and you don't have so much convection. And so everything is kind of flattened out, so to speak. And so you don't see as dynamic, usually, these 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 sudden changes of the of, of, of a major or big storm happening relative to what the, uh, the run 12 hours prior to that. And so when you're saying, you're making comparisons here between last night's run and today's run or the day before, I, I've often wondered whether or not that there's sometimes like a discontinuity between, you know, the zero Z and the 12 Z uh, that they sometimes don't seem to line up. And that may be one of the reasons, but the, the, the gentleman who I posed this question to, who was at WPC, the world weather prediction center, didn't have a, a, a couldn't say yay or nay to either, either, either case. They well, just assumed that, you know, I, I would you know? say, I would just add, add, add to it by saying this. I think you might, you could have the, you could certainly make that case for the NAM because you're kind of looking at just North America. But I wonder with the global models, because remember, it's, it, it's, right. you know, here, everything right. So, whereas at night, the, there's hard, you know, you're not going to really see a whole lot of convective feedback over North America. But on the other hand, in some other part of the world where it's daytime, uh, in the same time frame, you know, there might be convective outbreak, you know, convective feedback going on uh, in uh, in the Indian Ocean, in um, <clears throat> in the South China Sea, or whatever, wherever. Right. So, right. I mean, you could argue, you could say that, well, that one sort of cancels each other out. But then, on the other hand, you could say, well, doesn't the convective feedback that occurs over North America more relevant uh, to um, to to what's going on here as opposed to convective feedback, you know, on the other side of the international dateline and what's going on there. So, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think, uh, I think just the fact that, you know, maybe the best approach is just a, is what we do, which is pretty much 
you know, you just sort of wash it, put it all in the wash and try to try to decipher, yes. you know, uh, which way it's going uh, from 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 run to run rather than say, well, the zero Z is better than the 12 or the 12 is better than the zero or the six is better than the 18 um, I, or the 18 is better than the six. I will say that every once in a while and we always try to call attention to it when we know, but when there are big storms around and NOAA has money to spend in the budget or has to spend the money before the fiscal year is over, uh, they uh, they sometimes will have new data going into the 6 and 18Z runs, whether they, you know, they send out plane uh, recon missions right. into hurricanes and also when they do it for um, non-tropical storms. But just going back to that comparison, I just pulled up the new GFS and, of course, moving through this week, uh, uh, again, trough lifts out. We warm up nicely Wednesday and Thursday. I'm thinking we'll be back into the 60s. I would be probably close to 60 on Wednesday um, and then into the 60s on Thursday. Now, the cold front goes by, flat ridge in the east. Here comes that, you know, that troughing and upper low that drops down from part of it that drops down from Great Slave Lake. Uh, and that uh, brings in a cold shot of air over next weekend and early for Thanksgiving week. Then that's as far out as this is kind of interesting. I'll be curious to see what it does after uh, Tuesday uh, with the energy in the plains and uh, in the southern plains and also in the Rockies. And you got this upper low uh, in uh, in Maine, and you've got rising heights over Greenland and in the North Atlantic. That's just, we're at today almost to day nine. We're at, out to day nine on the GFS now, so um, it'll. In a few minutes, we'll go a little bit further. So let's see, let's see what this run has to say. Um, uh, God, excuse me. <clears throat> it was cold this morning, Joe. You know, I have a thermostat in my house set at sixty, so the heat doesn't come on right away. But when it does, it just ruins my sleep. I'm not, I, I'm not yeah. sleeping in the heat. All right, so for by the way, some wet snow tonight in parts of upstate New York and northern and northwestern PA might put down a coating to a couple of inches. It'll all be elevated, uh, elevation-driven there. Uh, then you see how the high moves off the, the mid-Atlantic coast on uh, Tuesday afternoon. We start a warm-up on Wednesday, warms up into Thursday. There's your cold front uh, that comes in. Uh, and then I'm going to switch over to the map with the thicknesses. So you can see how cold it is. So the next high looks like behind that some showers here, Joe. Late Thursday, Thursday night um, on the breezy side on Friday with a northwest wind. Looks kind of cold for New England down in the northern mid-Atlantic. Then that high goes uh, goes out. Here comes another cold front for Monday, and a little wave that runs out ahead to bring in the cold air for Monday night, Tuesday. 522, 516 thickness over the northeast. And then it looks like we got a low cutting. You know, the Europeans got a big low that it wants to cut to the lakes for the middle part of next week. The GFS has something cutting to the lakes here on Thanksgiving Day, in which case we'll be dry with, um, a, you know, beginnings of a southerly flow ahead of another cold front. So I don't know. It's changed so many times over the last a week to 10 days. My confidence factor on all of this is, as I said, very, very low. Well, what else is new? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. 
Ah, did. Uh, somebody on the chat board just po posted Thanksgiving is 11 days away. Still no real clue as to what's going to happen. Right. You know, because of the fact that the models are so they're going back and forth. Speaking of going back and forth with these models, there's going to be an almost total eclipse of the moon coming up early on Friday morning, which I've had my eye on with the weather. And here in the uh, northeastern part of the country, uh, visibility of that eclipse is going to hinge. It's going to happen like four o'clock in the morning, if any of you are interested. What our chances of seeing it will hinge on will be the cold front. And um, early on, when I started looking, the cold front supposedly was going to stay off to our north and west. And I said, oh, well, maybe we'll be able to see some of this before the cold front arrives. Then uh, a few days ago, the cold front was through our area and uh, we were actually behind the front and we'd had a chance to see it with, with a clearing trend. Then the last day or two, it shows the cold front sitting almost directly on top of us and uh, wiping us out with clouds and scattered precipitation. And I think now the uh, latest run has the front trying to ease off the, so really, if you're trying to nail something down, even to a matter of let's say 12 or 24 hours with these runs, with these models, it's, it's very, very difficult. And uh, don't even ask trying to go, let's say beyond five days. It's, uh, it, it, it's just almost an impossible, if not infuriating task if, right. it's, if it's something that you need to, if it's something that you need to know, I need to know whether or not it's going to be nice the day before Thanksgiving, you know, forget about it. You're not going to be able to say with any definitive certainty or surety. At least not yet. Because it's just not yet. No, no, absolutely. Uh, Tom Contino. Uh, Tom Contino is already, you know, canceling the winter, apparently. Let me just point out something. He says, Sick of hearing about pattern changes. He said, the Farmer's Almanac said it would be cold in November. Uh, it, no snow on Long Island. Awful pattern. It's mid-November. It doesn't snow much, if at all, in the Northeast and Northern <laughs> Mid-Atlantic states in mid-November, okay? Uh, it just doesn't. It, when they happen, they're anomalies. It don't happen, period. End of story, end of sentence, exclamation point. <laughs> I don't I don't understand whatever these expectations are. It's, I, I, I don't even know how to put it into words. It's mid-November. <laughs> Good God. Well, why is it, can I ask a question? Why is it that nobody talks about the summer in the same way that we talk about the winter. Why why aren't people out there, you know, talk, well, oh, well, the summer's going to be very hot. Or, oh, the summer's going to have a lot of showers and thunderstorms. Oh, it's going to be a dry sun. No one ever talks about the summer in that way, the way we talk about the winter. And I mean, like in the same same focus, you know, people might talk about the summer in mid-May. You know, they start saying, well, the sun, this summer's going to be warm, or this summer's going to be humid, this summer's going to have a thunderstorm. It's the same thing, except nobody ever does that. They always talk about the winter, but they don't. Never They're not a lot. Joe, I don't know if you picked up on this, but you know, <clears throat> there's not a lot of snow. There, well, in the summer. Yeah, um, I was just going to say you don't see. There are not a lot of rain, rain weenies out there. <laughs> okay, they really yeah. aren't. Uh, so, <laughs> so that we can put those out. Yeah, there are thunderstorm weenies, uh, but um, hurricane weenies. Hurricane weenies. But they are dwarfed by comparison to the number of snow weenies out there. And I know there's this sort of uh, expectation that uh, it's supposed to snow every day from October 1st to, to May 1st. And anything less than that 
is you're being cheated somehow. Uh, so, yes. <clears throat> so I get the energy behind it. I understand it, but uh, you, you November. So <clears throat> Tom says, you know, I need to apologize, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm getting annoyed. Uh, uh, I guess antsy that the pattern won't lock in for cold and snow. Okay, let me just point out that if you look at some of the the most active winters that we've had in terms of snowfall, whether they're ones that go like 13, 14, for example, that, uh, you know, we basically had snow cover on the ground from mid-December uh, to uh, almost the first day of spring to others where we've got heavy snows, but it kind of goes, you know, kind of comes in, 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 in bunches. You know, you get, a, you get a solid pattern for a couple of weeks that it relaxes then it picks up again and then it relaxes. Uh, as far as locking into something, we usually don't lock into anything until we get to the middle of the latter part of December. So if we're going to lock into a pattern, uh, it would be highly unusual to do it now. This is the transition period. And as I've often said, uh, when it comes to uh, pattern changes, and by the way, if you don't think that there's been a pattern change between what we had in October to what we've been experiencing in November, you're not paying attention to the weather, okay? You are not paying attention to the meteorology. You're paying attention to that emotional person inside you who's throwing a fit because you're not seeing what you want to see. There's been a pattern change. There's been a big pattern change from what we saw in October to what we're seeing here in the month of November. Now, where this goes, I don't know, but you got you have to acknowledge that fact that we have seen a pattern change. And um, again, ultimately, uh, ultimately, we're, we're gonna. We, we, there's nothing we can do here now unless you really have great foresight and uh, able to look at models and, and, and figure out, you know, how this is all going to turn out in a couple of weeks. There are a couple of, there are some people out there who, who, who are pretty good at that. Um, but uh, until then, you just have to kind of let the dust settle and wait to see where, how it plays. That, that's, that's all you, that's, that's all you can do. Now, speaking of all <laughs> the snow weenies, uh, allow me to share a screen. All right. I got to show you this. I just saw this pop up. This this uh, this just popped up on AOL, and yes, friends, I I am an AOL. Uh, I do use AOL. He's People the say, one. Well, I could use AOL. He's the one. I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to show you. This is one of the headlines this morning on AOL. Can you can you see this, Joe, on your screen? Yes. Can you see this? Can you see this here? Yes, she used First several measurable... she, she she used several shades of body paint. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not turning your attention to this. Forget about this. No, I know what you're looking at. I see it. First measurable snow to Can I make it? pummel. Pummel. Pummel chill, chilly northeast. But look at the picture that they're using. Right. Look the, at the picture. Right. The, the, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn bridge. bridge from what? 1888. <laughs> and a couple of people walking in the snow. You see that, and if you live in New York City, you're probably saying, I didn't hear about this. We've got snow coming. It's going to pummel us. Oh, my God. Oh, dear me. Oh, God. It just goes. It never ends, Joe. Nope, it doesn't. It goes it, on and on, on and, and on, on and on. Yes, it does. 
Oh, yeah. good lord! So, do you have um, do you have Briller Jeopardy? Yes, I do. All right. Yes, let's, I do. Let, let's do that. And uh, as Mr. As Mr. Otori used to say on the game show Treasure Hunt, for all of you out there who remember that uh, show from the 70s and 80s, the, uh, the, security, the security man on Treasure Hunt, he only said one sentence the entire show. You know, Mr. Otori, did you hide the check? Yes, I did. Do I have Briller Jeopardy? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. And, and here it is from Mr. Briller. Um, and uh, this is uh, this is the Joe Chiaffi round of uh, Briller Jeopardy, and uh, we will present you with the uh, questions right now. Um, for Mr. Chiaffi today, we center on records in uh, Le Parc, Central Park, since 1869. Right. And here is your first question, Joe. Number one: What is the most snow? ever to fall in the month of November at Central Park since 1869. And you get to within four. What is the most snow ever to fall the in month? the month? Uh, I'm going to say, I know there was a one foot, um, 19, was it 38? Uh, with, there was a, a, a big snowstorm. Uh, so I'm going to say for the month, it's probably, the, the month record's what, about 14, 14 inches. Do you want me to give you the answer? Or? Yeah. And, did, did, and the year you're saying is 1938? Oh, I don't know if that, that was the actual snowiest November on record, but I'm going to say, you know, I think 14 or 15, yeah, 14 or 15 inches for the month of November is my guess for the, for the, the snowiest event. Be, <clears throat> believe it or not, 1898, 19 inches of snow in November. Yeah, you know, I was that was actually the other number I was gonna go with was was to say 19, because that's for some reason that number popped into my head. So I must have seen that before and then I just decided to discount it. But yeah, I, but again, go back and look at the records and you'll find that <clears throat> there weren't that many. The, there really aren't that many double digit snow years for the month of November. There's a lot of single no. the, the, there's there's a lot of years in November where the number's been zero. Okay, goose egg. Right. So yes, I think I think I, I did the math. It's like nine out of ten Novembers you don't see any snow at all in New York. Right, and you brought that up strongly more than once three years ago when uh, we had that quote unquote that when we had the surprise quote unquote or or the what I refer to as the Governor Murphy snowstorm when he you know put out an emergency and uh, statement and. Uh, blame the Weather Bureau or Weather Service for not alerting us to this. And, of course, we we, we said the night before that we were going to get this, but Governor Murphy, I know, does not watch our show. So No, he's not what a fan. Do? <laughs> uh, how about he's number, among the how few people that don't, that don't watch. Yes, yes. How about number two? How many winters in Central Park since 1869 have had at least, at least 50 inches of snow? And you get to it in five of the number of winters that it's have not a lot. done this. There's not a lot. Um, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say had 100. We've we've had 152 years of records. So. Right. Um, I, I, I'm going to say 15 again. Very good. Very close. Within five, 18. 
18 times we've had at least 50 inches of snow. And of course, you and I, we have lived through, and a lot of people here have lived through the uh, the one winter that is at the top of the list, the winter of 90, 95, 96, with I think 76 inches or 75 inches of snow. Right. And out your way, you had... Out your way, you had what, like 100 inches or something? Nine, nine, 90, 96 and 96. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. What, uh, what a winter that was. And right. a, a bunch of a bunch of 50-inch-plus winters between 2000 and 2020. Right. Right. So number three is what was the highest and lowest temperature ever in November in Central Park, and you have within four degrees? To, to go with that. Hmm. The highest and the lowest? Temperature ever recorded in Central Park in the month of November. All right, so the highest is kind of tough because that's going to skew to the beginning of the month. So I'm trying to recall. I think we probably had an 80-degree day in early November at some point. So I'll say 80 uh, for the highest. And uh, as, um, as for the lowest... Um, hmm. Well, what was your temperature the day? What was your temperature the day after the Thanksgiving Day snowstorm? Oh, 11. 11 was the uh-huh. lowest on the day after. But yeah. I was I was in, you know, Central Long Island with the with an eight inch snow cover and radiation cooling the night before. So right, I'll, 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 I'll say I'll say the lowest was 15. <laughs> that seems to be going to 15 okay. again. Okay, 80, 84 was the highest temperature in November. That was recorded in 1950, early in the month. I, I don't know the exact date here, but I, I do remember reading about this. But also in 1950, we had one of the most hellacious storms ever to hit the northeastern states. It came on, I think, the 25th of November of that year. It moved up along the Appalachian Trail, and that storm caused winds of like 100 miles an hour in the New York metropolitan area, dumped lots of rain and wet snow here, dumped like 30 and 40 inches of snow down across the high mountains of North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia. It was an amazing, amazing, super strong storm. And you got to figure that if it was so warm in the early part of November, we had a shot of much, much colder air clash with that kind of uh, warm air mass that that was probably the reason why that storm was so strong. The coldest number, Joe, believe it or not, five degrees in 1875. Five degrees. Five degrees. Wow. Izzy D, by the way, says you love the Murphy storm more than uh, <laughs> more than anything, don't you? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we I, you and I both remember, in fact, the night before, we even went into a dissertation about how Nobody ever predicts the first significant snowfall because there's always something that that happens. But the the thing about that storm in uh, 2018 was most of the municipalities, nine out of ten municipalities, didn't treat the roads no. the night before. And, I can right. tell you because it's not in the budget. And I can tell we, you right here, we 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 here. I mean, in, I'm very proud of the way the highway department of Putnam Valley. We they do a great job on our roadways. But I distinctly remember the day before that storm, all the way up until the time the first flakes were falling, I said to Renata, I said, I don't think they treated the roads. Our, our road is not, has not been treated. What, what's going on? 
And I guess either they felt that it was going to hit the road and melt, or maybe uh, they, oh right because the warm said, ground right there were a number of warm there are a number of members of the warm ground society in government just so you know um, yeah and by the way also in newsrooms it should also be pointed out and I remember this very clearly I said on the night before and I quote okay I quote the 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 evening commute tomorrow is going to, this is in reference to November 15th of 20 what was it 2018 uh, the evening 2018 yeah 20 the evening commute tomorrow is going to be a nightmare even if we only wind up with a an inch or so of snow it's going to be filled with accidents and a whole bunch of other problems i and just to show you joe and you know this all too well even the, the newsrooms don't even listen to you because you know what? You go in there and you tell them that and they look at you and the response is, well, so-and-so on the other station isn't talking about it. Right. Because, right. of course, you, exactly. you just you just work there. I mean, you know, you, the other person on the other station doesn't work there, but this is the same. We could have stood, stood on soapboxes screaming uh, the day before with precise snow amounts with regard, which, which you, you know, it's impossible to do. But I mean, we could have done that and the outcome would have been exactly the same. The political gas bags would all have ignored it. Uh, the uh, uh, what turned out uh, to be a disaster. Well, it would have turned out to be a disaster. And you, you still you, you still would have um, people saying that. Oh, nobody, you know, this wasn't in the forecast and all the rest of it. So, I, I, you know, 40 years of this crap, it's just, it just gets to you every once in a while. Next question. One of the things, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things, one of the things I learned from, uh, from our mutual friend, Alan Casper, is you have to look at the camera and you have to literally talk to the, to the camera, not as a, not as a whole bunch of people watching, but as one particular right. person right. and stress and stress and stress. Folks, it is going to be or listen, we're going to have snow tomorrow. It's going to be bad. We're going to expect and this is and then you go through the whole plethora of, of, of things that may happen. Just like yesterday, I was saying as I was watching some of the uh, some of the uh, forecasters on in the morning on some of the uh, stations here in New York. And I'm saying they're not. They're, and we may have some thunderstorms later and they may be and they may be nasty. But let's go to the forecast. And I'm saying to myself, that's not the way to do it. You've got to talk to people and say, folks, between two and four o'clock, if you're outside, watch the sky because right. it's going to get really, really bad. Nobody does that. Alan did it, though, and everybody – and I, I, I learned from Alan, and I used to do that, and that's why people say now, they say, Joe, we need somebody we, – we, nobody does this. You used to do that something. And I said, I learned from, from, from the expert, from, from, and, and, but nobody does that. And on that day in, in 2018 – you know, oh, we may have some snow. We're going to have some snow. How do you like that? We're going to have some snow. It's 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 only mid-November, and it's going to be in. Oh yeah, well we never get a lot of snow. I know. In November, anyways, the so ground the ground is warm, and it's going to melt. And it was eighty yeah. degrees. It was seventy degrees three days ago. How could it stick? Blah blah blah. You know. Right. Yeah. I, I exactly. Take it. You know. Get off my phone, you old bag. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Number four. Uh, and the chairman hitting super Number chat. Uh, Mr. Scott still doing COVID runs. Uh, and uh, yes. <clears throat> he had to get on the job uh, early today. So uh, 
we and, uh, and I want we to thank a lot best. of people. I want to thank Scott, and I also want to thank a few people on the chat board who have been in communication with me via Facebook over the last week or so about the trip that uh, Renata and I are going to be taking. Two weeks from today, we leave two weeks from today for Down Under in, in Antarctica. And the thing is, though, folks, that trip may not come to pass for us if we don't pass our PCR. We have to take a PCR test, Joe, 72 hours before we get on the plane. And if, if one or both of us don't don't pass that PCR, and it go, runs through your mind now the way the, the once again, COVID is surging across right. much of the country, including right here in New York State. But if we don't pass that test, they ain't going to let us on that plane, and we can't go down to Chile, and we can't get on that boat. So that's that's something that is uh, on on our minds, at least my mind, for the next couple of weeks. Well, let's, so Scott, God let, bless let, you. God bless you for doing your. God bless Scott for doing his his COVID runs again, because we need people like that to help help out. But like like I said, if if we we're going to stay extra cautious now over the next two weeks with masks. I was at a function a few days ago. We were here in Putnam Valley. We saluted our veterans on Veterans Day with a special ceremony at Town Hall. I was the only one, Joe, who wore a mask. People were looking at me like, why are you wearing a mask? It's all over, isn't it? You know, we don't need to worry about this. But, you know, the way you things protect are going. Yourself. You got to protect yourself if you're going to make this trip. Correct. You know, absolutely, total, totally, uh, totally understandable. Even even with the two, even with the two shots in the spring, and I got the booster, and so did Renata a couple of weeks ago. Even with all of that, we still have to take extra care because, again, like like I said, if we if we go to the doctor, we're going to our physician, and we're getting a a rapid uh, PCR a few days before the uh, before we leave. And if and if it comes back and says, "I'm sorry, you you didn't pass, you you're positive," even though we don't have any symptoms or anything, but if that comes out back positive. That's it. The whole thing goes into the, you know, so we'll see. We'll just see. Uh, by the way, Bill, Good the most <clears throat> Bill, Bill Goodman just messaged me saying he's on his way to Connecticut to do damage surveys. So he'll probably he'll let me know later today what, what the outcome is. Go ahead. That's good. What is the most precipitation, the most precip to ever fall in the month of November? And that uh, you get within five inches of that. You mean for the whole month? Yes. Okay. The so I, I got to think. I got to think it's got to be that year. Was it '77 where we had a tropical depression uh, that um, the remnants of one move off the coast? And I think we got like seven or eight inches of rain in one day. So I'm going to say 12 for the month. I would have thought the same thing, Joe. I well remember that that case in '77, but, uh, but, but that wasn't it. That way, but you were close with the number at 12.41 inches. But 1972, in 72, we apparently had the, uh, according to the records, the most. I'd be interested to see how 77 stacked up to 72, but 12.41 in 1972, according to uh, the chairman. Okay. And now, here's, and now here's your bonus question. Coldest daytime maximum temperature ever in November within seven degrees. The coldest daytime high in November. Didn't that didn't that happen on Thanksgiving Day sometime in the last 10 years? I would have thought too. I would have that, that it didn't get out of the it didn't get out of the low 30s or upper 20s or something. That's really sticking in my well, head. Maybe in the modern history in the recent year that probably would stand that record would stand but uh, again we're going all the way back to 1869 
the the all-time coldest high temperature uh, in New York at Central Park. The coldest daytime high was. Um, now I'm I'm confused here. I'm confused. It says here as the answer, 14. Then the at sign. Right. Then no, November 30, 1875. I would have thought it was 30. I thought maybe it was November 14. I'm not sure if it's November 14, 30 degrees. No, it's, it's probably it, four, it, it, 14 on November. The at sign telling you November 30th is the day. So, <clears throat> But that's the coldest high temperature was 14 in November? Well, then we had, I would guess we probably would have had a low in the single digits. What's the coldest low? He doesn't say this is the bonus. The bonus question was coldest daytime maximum ever in November within seven degrees, coldest daytime high. And again, it says 14 at November 30, 1875. When I first looked at this, I said to myself, oh, 30 degrees. But no, apparently it was 14. And okay. I said to myself, how is that possible that 14 degrees was the highest temperature that we recorded in November? On November 30th, 1875. <clears throat> that is incredible. That is unbelievable. Uh, I'm doing just really quick. Let's see. Temperature records, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's for the year. By the uh, way, did they put back the Almanac at Central Park uh, on the Central Park website? Uh, they took the Almanac page away. Because they were supposed um, to update it, right? I guess they were updating it. I don't know if, it, if they put it back yet, though. Yeah, I have the – there's a PDF here with the – the daily pre, you know, the like the 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 yearly records, but I'm not I'm not quickly putting up the uh, uh, where is it? Yeah, okay, I, I yeah I would have yeah, to go. Into, I I can't do it like just like that. I'd have to take me take me a while to find it. Okay, they put they put here on the site. Are you looking for the almanacs? Monthly almanacs have been temporarily removed for updating. Daily almanacs can easily be generated using our climate web page, and they give you a URL for that. So there you go. But they're updating the uh, – obviously, they're updating for the uh, to, re, to do the 30-year – the new 30-year means. Right. Um, so, uh, so there you go. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up here on this, uh, <clears throat> on this Sunday, approaching a quarter after 12 Eastern time. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks for all of you who have hit uh, the Super Chat tip jar today, all too numerable to mention at this point, mainly because of the fact that I uh, I lost the list. So I, but thank you as a group. Thank you very much, Joe. And I do appreciate your support. Uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow at uh, 730 Eastern time. So be sure to tune in then. Otherwise, Mr. Rayo, have a great uh, Sunday and a great start to your week. You too, sir. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 730. Okay, 99, uh, well, it's not quite 99, so what do you go, day-to-day? -day? No. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody.